So uh, I do have a privilege to introduce uh, our speaker this morning. His name is Jim Quayle, and he's a friend of mine. I met him first, well, at least I felt like I met him first at a Starbucks. Uh, I was hanging out on Sunday morning and uh, ended up having a great conversation with this stranger. But it turns out Jim Quayle was already connected to our church, and he is part of the National Prayer Council, and uh, he and his, his group of, of prayer leaders meet in our office. They use um, a space in our office to um, have their meetings, planning sessions, and uh, so he, he had actually been around before and, and recognized me, perhaps. I actually don't know if that's true. It doesn't really matter, though, but he's a brother, uh, first of all, to me, and that's been, he's been an encouragement, and he's spoken into my life, and he's been an, an encouragement to me, and he, he's, uh, he's a carrier. He carries the gospel, and uh, I was just thinking about, um, blessed are the feet of him who brings good news, and, and he leads a ministry called Evangel Coach Ministries, and they come alongside churches to support them and encourage them as they endeavor to raise up their body to be uh, praying for the lost and sharing God's love and his gospel truth uh, with the lost. And so his heart uh, is to be an encouragement to the churches, and so it's a privilege that we have him here this morning to open up the word. We are continuing our series in Luke this morning, but as you'll see, um, it helps. Uh, I feel like it's just a, a great connection between uh, who Jim is and his heart, his purpose, and passion with, uh, with where we're at as a church family in, at, at this time. So I'd like to invite Jim up, and uh, let's go ahead and clap. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Love you, man. Morning, everybody. Morning. See, unlike Jeff last week, I remembered my water. <laughs> and, uh, but you may have seen me walking around here a little bit during uh, the announcements. I did forget my Bible. <laughs> I left it in the prayer room over here. Okay. You probably can't uh, read the small print up here, uh, but I have listed who I am. I am a radically committed follower of Jesus Christ, number one. Uh, I'm a devoted husband to my wife, Janice, who is sitting out here. We've been married for going on 52 years now. I think we might make it. And I'm the imperfect father of a son named Jeffrey and a daughter named Jana. And uh, the joy-filled grandfather of six incredible grandchildren. And then uh, beyond that, I'm the director for evangelism with the U.S. National Prayer Council, and I'm the executive director of Evangel Coach Ministries. So you don't have to worry about what that says now. <laughs> you can go on to the next slide. Do we have it? Oh, yeah. The Church Prayer Care Share Survey, you may have noticed in the lobby out here that there's a couple of tables with these questionnaires on them, the church survey, it says. Uh, if you uh, would, please, every individual, not a family, as a family, but every individual, please fill one of those out uh, before you leave today, preferably. Um, I, I, I really want this to be uh, a confidential and um, spont yeah, spontaneous response to the survey. I don't want you to go home and say, hmm, hmm, and ask your husband or your wife how to fill this out. I would like you to do it by yourself as quickly as you can and then return it back onto the table, okay? Because uh, May 30th, uh, we're, as a church, I say we, like I'm part of the church, sheesh, <laughs> I am. But uh, May 30th, we're going to have another uh, Momentum Conference. And I will be at that Momentum Conference. I hope everybody can make it then. Um, 
because uh, I'm going to be presenting uh, the first part of our seminar at, of Adventure Coach Ministries. And, I, and you'll notice um, that the survey is called the Prayer Care Share Survey. And I will be introducing that part of it. My ministry partner, who's an evangelist, won't, uh, won't be able to come. And so we will maybe complete that part of the seminar at a later date. But prayer, I believe, is the most critical part to evangelism. And uh, too, for too long, the church has not recognized that. And they just give uh, prayer... Uh, they just bring out prayer for evangelism whenever there's an outreach. Uh, but there's a whole lot more to praying for the lost than that. And that's what we're going to be covering uh, in May. But today, we're going to get into the Word again in Luke. So if you would, please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. And... I have entitled our message today, The Soil of the Kingdom. The Soil of the Kingdom. Luke 8, 1 through 21. Would you bow with me as we open his word? Oh, Lord, Lord God, what an awesome privilege it is to sit at your feet and read your word and listen to you interpret it to us through your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that that it's not Jim Quayle speaking, but it's you. You are in this room. You are on each of our hearts. And Lord, we want you to speak to each one of our hearts uh, what you want each one of us to hear. Because may, maybe not all of us, not all of us want to, uh, or should hear the same thing. So Lord, you interpret it in each person's heart according to your will. And I just thank you for the privilege of bringing it in your holy name. Amen. Okay. Um, Jeff, last week, brought us a question, is Jesus the one? Is Jesus the one? And we're trying to focus in on our study in Luke on, a, on who Jesus is. Who is this Jesus? And, and John the Baptist had that question in his own mind. Someone who saw Jesus and spent time with Jesus, he had that same question. And so it's not really unusual for us to ask ourselves, uh, is Jesus the one? Especially when we're going through tough times, right? Well, we're going to continue on now in Luke 8. And Jesus had, uh, had been baptized, went to the uh, wilderness. He started his ministry. He preached the Sermon on the Mount, and he uh, he started then uh, going about speaking in the synagogues. He got kicked out of the one in his own hometown, and he was still traveling about preaching and teaching. And another thing, he was doing miracles. He was healing people. And uh, delivering them from all kinds of ailments. So Jesus was getting pretty well known by this time. He had been gone around, and he was still up in Galilee, but he was gathering larger and larger crowds. You got the picture? So um, what we're going to look at today is the parable of the soils. And so thus the title, The Soil of the kingdom but he that's mad I, I, I hear that in the office all the time <laughs> that reminds me I need to turn mine off <laughs> if you need to turn yours off right now too okay so Jesus was traveling about let's look at verse 1 I hope we have that up here Verse 1 says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And I want to stop right there, the kingdom of God. Uh, 
because it's too easy here to just read right over that like it is in a lot of the scripture and not really stop and take in what's being said here. What is the good news of the kingdom of God? We think of what initially? The gospel about Jesus, the story of what Jesus has done, but the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom is bigger than that. It's much bigger than that. And Jesus, when he was preaching about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, had a much larger view than his people did. And today we have a larger view than they did, but we still don't see the full scope of God's kingdom. And Jesus wants us at this point to see some, a, a larger part of that kingdom, a larger part of God's plan for mankind. Um, his kingdom work started in creation, and it's still carrying through. Jesus' gospel of his coming and his sacrifice on the cross is the key element in that kingdom plan that God has the absolute principal element of it. Uh, but we need to, like, like, I think it was Pastor Kurt that said, we need to look at a broader view, keep the broader view in mind when we're reading the scriptures. So uh, the kingdom of, of God, um, he talks about it in Mark chapter one. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. See, there's 400 years between the last prophet of the Old Testament and when Jesus came. So there'd been a gap, huge gap of time. Now we, we have 2,000 years since Jesus came. So the expectations, as Jeff was, had brought out last week, of people at that time after 400 years was, had been tainted because of the false teachings, the errors, and everything that happened during those 400 years. Can you imagine now 2,000 years what our view of the kingdom uh, is like? He has given us his word, and we know and see a larger view, but we need to really um, have a check, a check in our own lives all the time as we, we look at this. And, and in Colossians, it says, for God was pleased to have his, all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, right? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So the kingdom of God includes things we can't see. A lot of things we can't see. If we could just see, right? Uh, well, he wants us to see. And the way we can see is through the soil of our hearts and what, what goes on there because that's the most important thing to him. Okay, moving right along then. The 12 were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. This part uh, in, in Luke is not in either of the other par uh, parables or uh, gospels, Matthew and, and Mark. Uh, it's only spelled out here about these women. And you wonder about that. But the, the, uh, the rabbis of that day, and there were more than just Jesus, there were other rabbis traveling around the country teaching the Torah. And uh, they were totally dependent on hospitality. And Jesus was also. But these women who had been touched by Jesus, not just taught by Jesus, but touched by Jesus and cleansed by Jesus were now following him. And I certainly would, too, if I had seven demons cast out of me. Amen? So these women were supporting him. And uh, Luke tells us elsewhere that he had done a lot of study. And he had interviewed those um, who were firsthand witnesses of Christ and his miracles. 
So Luke uh, was a doctor, and he was very thorough and was, was uh, not just jumping into this. Uh, he did use Mark probably as some of his basis for this, and a lot of Mark's and his stories are the same. But it is also speculated that he actually interviewed or talked to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And that's why in Luke we see so many references about women and things that aren't in the other Gospels, uh, especially like when Jesus was born and his early life and those things that only his mother could have known. And Jesus himself, of course, is, a, uh, is very tender toward women. And in fact, you know, a woman was the first person he appeared to when he was raised from the dead. So I just wanted to bring that out a little bit here. And then he says in verse 6, While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. And again, I want to stop there. Uh, Because in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew now, it gives a much broader story here than just this brief statement that said, you know, that says that uh, uh, people gathered around him from town to town, and a large gathering was coming. But uh, in Matthew chapter 13 is where we find the the uh, the passage that's comparable. It says 13:1. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Uh, such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. I just love the scene. I love it because uh, I've been there. And Peter's house is down near the shoreline in the, the city of, or village of Capernaum. And so he could have walked out very easily from his house. And Peter's house was where the disciples hung out and they played video games and whatever. <laughs> but they hung out at Peter's house. And uh, so it would be easy walk right out to the beach and there's probably the, the boats, the fishing boats sitting there and I can visualize the, the fishing nets hanging up drying on sticks and things, you know. And uh, maybe you could hear a rooster in the background, a dog bark, um, the mumble, muffled voices of, of people. And uh, so I just love this because he got, it says he got into the boat and sat down and he began to pe- speak to the people who were on the shore. And uh, since I've been there, I think it really means more to me, but I, just wa- I would like you to get the picture. <laughs> uh, and this is what's really neat about this is that Jesus... Uh, had, had spoken to Simon, Peter, and his brother Andrew and said, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And this, I see, is a perfect picture of what Jesus meant. He was sitting there on a fishing boat, but instead of casting his net out to catch fish, he was casting out his word of grace and truth over the people. And that must have been a powerful visual uh, illustration to Peter and Andrew especially, uh, when he was sitting on this boat, uh, giving the people his word. So I hope you can hang on and maybe get a little bit of visual as we read on further. Uh, this, this message, though, that he was speaking on is, is not a fish story. It's an agricultural story, even though they're sitting in a boat along the shoreline and there's fishing nets all over the place. He, Jesus used many of his parables to talk about spiritual things from a fishing or boating lake standpoint. But this, this day, he was talking about agriculture and soil. And I'd just like to share a few photos with you of the area This photo here, you can see it very well. It's kind of washed out a little bit. But I'm standing on top of Mount Arbel, 
overlooking the Sea of Galilee here. You can see down below the, the, the fertile soil and the crops and everything down there. And, and way up at the upper end of this lake is where Capernaum is. Right below us there is a little village of Magdala where Magdalene, uh, Mary Magdalene came from. And so this is all the area. Uh, not all of it, but much of the area that Jesus was in. And the next slide shows down toward uh, the village of Capernaum. is just around this hill and down below there. But this hill is where they said the Sermon on the Mount might have taken place. And there's a little valley kind of coming up this hill where they say the acoustics is really good. So Jesus could speak to many, many people and be heard from this little little valley right here, like an amphitheater. And then this last picture I want to show is uh, a little bit further inland toward Nazareth, but it, uh, it has a village, as you can see, and then there's on the left some rocky soil. There's some soil that uh, has very nice plants or trees growing down there, probably olive trees. And in the foreground, you can see a bunch of brush and thistles. And so this is, this is really what people saw in his day that Jesus is going to talk about here. And if you can see a little bit closer there, you can see some paths coming down out of the village there. And those are the pathways that Jesus might have been talking about. Okay. So let's go ahead and read here. Jesus sitting on the front of the boat here, remember? And he says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And let's stop there. That is the agricultural message that he cast out. And it was a parable. And this is, this is one of Jesus' first parables that, that's recorded anyway. Uh, there's a couple of others in verse, I mean, chapter 5, I think. But this is the big one to start with. That, and after this, he's going to be talking in parables a lot more to the people, as we'll see in the weeks to come. But here, he, uh, he gave the message of the seed in the soil. I wanted to point out here that uh, when he, he tells a story, he says he's casting out seed. And I, I just wanted to point out that uh, he, the, the farmer was not going along putting one seed in, a couple feet more, putting on a seed, and then another seed. He was casting it out. What do we do on Sunday morning is we... We cast out a seed to you, and we need to be, through you, casting out more seed into the community with your friends and your loved ones, right? I wanted to just point that out, that we need to be casting our seed. And then at the end of the story, Jesus called out. He said, when he said this, he cried out, whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus says this many times throughout his ministry. And I think we need to take special note whenever Jesus raises his voice or he cries out. Uh, it's just like every pastor, every teacher probably wants to cry out at the end of their message or lesson. 
Listen to what I'm saying. Take it to heart. Don't just put it in your ears and let it go out the other side the minute you walk out that door. Is that right, Kerr? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he cried out because this was important. People needed to hear this and get it. So he cried out. He who has ears, let him hear. James says anyone who has who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, right? You've heard this. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. That pretty much sums up my message today. <laughs> really. Really. But after hearing all of this, his disciples went to him and said, what, 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 is, what does this mean? Explain it to us, Lord. It's not really, I don't think, that they didn't understand any of it. They probably had their own ideas of what it meant. But they went to Jesus anyway, and they said, Lord, explain this parable to us. And that's in verse 9. His disciples asked him, what? this parable meant and so uh, he said the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see though hearing they may not understand this is uh, the parable probably is easier to understand than this passage <laughs> uh, but there's a couple of things here one is, and, it's, and it's, this is again, you know, be careful how you listen and read God's word. Because here you could easily uh, look over this. And it's something that I, I'd like to share that the Lord brought to me when I was studying. And that is that Jesus went to his, to, I mean, uh, his disciples went to Jesus and asked him. When they thought, uh, had some thoughts that probably they knew what it meant. And a lot of times when we get to, into God's word and we are reading it and studying it, we think we know what it means. And so we go on. But we need to take everything in the scripture and take it to Jesus. And say, Lord, is, am, I, am I right on this? Uh, tell me the truth. And what we need to do as we pray is ask the Holy Spirit. Lord, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to teach us. He's a teacher. And the Holy Spirit comes then. We need to ask him. It says we need to ask. Have not because you ask not. And we need to ask that the Holy Spirit would take this word and give us the correct interpretation that God has for us whenever we go to the word. So I know first time I read that, I... I kind of looked over it, but then the Lord stopped me in my tracks and says, hey, you need to not just take things for granted. Don't take everything that Pastor Kurt says as gospel necessarily, <laughs> but take it, to, take it to, to the Lord himself and look up those passages, pray about it, and talk about, uh, to the Lord about what Kurt maybe has brought to you and say, Lord, is that what you have for me? Is there more to it that you want me to know? Amen? And then he said, verse 10 is one that's hard. Uh, the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. You, you, the, the thing that jumps out at you here is, is, wait a minute, I thought God wants all people to come to the knowledge of, of him and be saved. This seems to, to contradict that, that uh, maybe the Lord doesn't want everybody to be saved. Um, but here again, um, the Lord gives us more, sheds more light on this in Matthew. And Matthew, um, in chapter 13 again, verses 11 through 17, really expands on this. 
In 11, he said, he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. They're asking him, why does he speak in parables in this passage? Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For, they, for truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. There's a, there's a few things that come out now in this passage. First thing is that there are some secrets, right? Not everything is understood. There's secrets of the kingdom. And in the Old Testament Torah times, uh, many spiritual truths didn't come out until Jesus came, and Jesus embodied them and brought them out and showed more about those truths. And instead of just following a list, do, 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 do this, the law, and, and that Moses gave, uh, Jesus came, it said, with grace and with truth. And so it doesn't put away the law, he just sheds more light on the kingdom principles that they had in the Old Testament and really brings it down to the human level, like agriculture, like fishing, like things that we do every day, right? And then this, another thing I, I, that we notice here is that, that some people are not repentant. They have calloused hearts, and, they're, and no matter what you say, no matter how eloquent, eloquently, uh, eloquently you say it, uh, they're not going to hear it, you know? And that's the way a lot of these Pharisees and Sadducees were when Jesus was preaching during this time. It just wasn't going to, no matter what you said. And, and the thing, too, is that Jesus wants us to seek him, to seek him. And it's kinda, he wants us to work for it. It's just like your kids, raising your kids, you know? You don't want to give them everything handed out to them all the time, uh, up until they're 40 years old, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. There's certain things that you have to work for, and, I, and Jesus is telling us here that spiritual truth and life is like uh, farming. It's hard work, amen? It is hard work. You sweat out there, and uh, you work hard. And so uh, the people that aren't willing to work, he just says it in parables, and, uh, and so maybe that helps shed some light on it for you. Uh, it helped me, and I really think that there's more here that I, I haven't even gotten yet. Maybe the Lord will reveal more to me in the future. Anyway, the, the third thing I wanted to, to bring out in this passage was that, that now Jesus was not only opening up and sharing these things openly, for everybody, at least in parables, but he was now going to tell them, his disciples, his special chosen ones, and those who were seeking and coming, the broader message, the true spiritual message. And uh, that's really very special for these disciples because prophets long to see and hear what they heard. Wouldn't you love to be sitting with Jesus? Those guys didn't know what they had, did they? But if you were sitting with Jesus, that able to ask him any question, share a meal with him, I, I, it just blows my mind, blows my mind. And these guys had that special relationship with Jesus himself. But through them, they were going to share the, the, the same light that they had been given. And they, in fact, gave up their lives for it. 
Uh, and so they were very special, and they didn't even realize it themselves, but in the days ahead, they were going to have to pay a steep price for that knowledge that they had and they needed to share. And that's where those unmet expectations that Jeff was talking about come in. They had probably expectations that they were going to be sitting right next to Jesus on the throne when he ruled over the whole world. You know, they, they were going to be there and, you know, me and Jesus, man, we're tight. And uh, that's, that wasn't what happened, right? The parable, actually the word parable says, it means in the original languages to throw alongside of. And so a parable is, is uh, like telling a story, but then you really have a secondary story that comes alongside of that story. So that, that's a parable. And, and, uh, and so we're going to get into Jesus explaining this parable, which is a spiritual truth that is laid alongside of this physical truth. I got to catch up on my notes here and find out where I'm at. Okay, here comes the real lesson. Here, uh, here Jesus goes into it, and he says in verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God, and he goes on. Again, it's easy to just whip right past that. The seed is the word of God, amen? The seed is the word, that is, that is, we have to really get a hold of that first before we go on to our agricultural lesson because what happens if you don't have a seed? That seed has the DNA of the plant that's going to grow. It has everything within it that it needs to be able to grow and mature. And that seed goes into our hearts. Right? So the seed is critical. The word of God is critical. Um, and the word doesn't change, but the soil changes. There's different kinds of soil. The seed stays the same, right? Okay, I'm going to say something that might be pretty controversial right now and it may make you uncomfortable, but I believe that if we continue outreach efforts to the unsaved year after year without sharing God's word, it's like watering a field that's never been planted. It's like a watering of field that's never been planted. What's going to happen there? It's going to get a lot of water. <laughs> Maybe there's some weed seeds that will grow up. That's what happened with my lawn. <laughs> Just grew up. And I mow the weeds, and it's, that's what it is. It is what it is. But it's not producing a crop, right? Um, so... This is the caring part of our, our message in Evangel Coach Ministries. Churches uh, need to be caring and developing relationships with the unsaved. But if you do that uh, year after year, time after time, what's going to be produced? They'll get a picture of Christ in you. They will get uh, a lot of love and attention and care, but... It's, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if the seed never gets planted in their mind, you're watering an empty field. We've been preparing this field, weeding it, giving it plenty of water, meticulously caring for it, but the seed has never been planted. Don't get me wrong, you know, I, I really believe in outreach efforts. I believe we need to be caring with pe for people in the community, in the world, wherever we can and have opportunity to. But uh, at some point, they need to hear the word of God. So the seed is critical. 
and the seed doesn't change. Then he goes into verse 12. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe. There's three words in here, to hear, their hearts, and to believe. And the fourth one might be to be saved and saved. Like I said, hearing, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, which is the seed, and it goes into their hearts. Their hearts. And they would then believe it and be saved. But these people are along the path. So that we find here is that the soil then is man's heart. The soil of the kingdom is man's heart. Amen? And so that soil needs to be to receive the seed. And these people were standing, it said, or the seed here was along the path. And these people were probably people who stand along the path, who maybe come to church once in a while and see what's going on, or you know, stand off to the side on the path, like in the picture, and watch everything else going on. Other people are growing and moving on. But there's kind of skeptical, and the seed then is stolen away by the evil one. They forget it. They forget it. It actually says, I've read somewhere, where uh, it takes seven times, seven or eight times for people to hear the gospel message before they really get it. Um, and so maybe, maybe that was you a few years ago. I don't know. But this first soil was soil along the path that was beaten down, trodden down to the point that that seed just bounced off of it and the birds came down. In the, in, in the King James Version, it says, the fowl of the air came, swooped down and devoured it. And that's what Satan does. And I am guilty myself of sitting under the word and allowing Satan to devour that word the minute I walk out the door. Amen? So, so these people who are along the path aren't saved. I don't believe they're saved. But we can still learn from it that maybe our heart is like that sometimes. Right? So each one of these stories about the soil, we need to evaluate and see where our heart is. And maybe it's been in different times, different kinds of soil. Okay. In verse 13. Then there's the people, those on the rocky ground, are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. These are, these are people that reminds me of when I was an elder in a church over a youth program. And I saw literally hundreds of kids make decisions for the Lord. And they were all pumped up and ready to go. And uh, we got them pumped up in camps and stuff. But it is sad to, to, to have watched how many of those kids um, fell away and how soon it happened. It's sad. Really sad. And it's because they had no root. Of course, this can happen with adults too, you know, not just teenagers. Uh, where maybe, maybe you've talked to some people um, like this. And usually they're kind of emotional, more emotional people. They live off their emotions. And that's what that thin soil is that takes the seed and it, it springs forth with joy, is, the, is that thin soil of emotions. And, and that's why we have to be careful with our emotions, right? I mean, our emotions are part of our spiritual life. Don't get me wrong. I believe that we need to bring our emotions to bear when we read the scriptures, when we live our lives and be passionate about it. But there's a difference between just raw 
pure emotion and that deeper soil that we need to get our roots into. Um, and, those, and, and, and people like this have rocks, and they're under the surface usually. And they're things that keep them from sending roots down. And I've, I've talked to people like on airplanes or different places. And, uh, and when, I, when I talk to them, I try to turn a conversation into a spiritual conversation. And a lot of times when I talk to people about the Lord, they say, oh, yeah, I made a decision uh, for Christ, and I received him when I was uh, a kid or when I was in a high school group in this church. And, yeah, I'm a Christian. And so then I ask them, I said, well, what church do you go to? And they say, "Uh, well, we're not going to church right now. Uh, I know we need to get back into it. Well, it's most likely that they never will. Not until a crisis happens in their life. Then they're going to be all about talking to the Lord and seeking a church out and Christians out. Maybe some of your friends have done that. They haven't, uh, they haven't seemed really interested in spiritual things until a crisis comes into their life, and then they come to you and say, hey, you're a Christian, right? Would you pray for me this or pray for that? You know, uh, the, the problem is they could go directly to God themselves not not to you necessarily although you are God's ambassadors you're you you are his hands and his feet so certainly don't turn them away I have a friend that I I I uh I I teach and preach out of Folsom prison he goes with me usually he's an older older guy uh but he used to say, uh, he used to use God as his 911 operator. He'd call and he'd say, Lord, I need help, you know, on this test or whatever, you know. I wanted to get a promotion. Lord, help me. And, and those are the times, only the times that he would pray and talk to the Lord or read scripture and stuff. And, and uh, I have to confess, I've, I've done that, of course. I've used God as a 911 operator. I, I just... It's funny, but not really funny. Because you might find out that you call out to God someday and you'll find out that your, your line has been disconnected. And that's what happened to the Israelites in the Old Testament. Time after time after time, they were testing God and they turned away from God and went their own way. But then they cry out when they got into trouble, Right? And they'd plead with him. And in Jeremiah, Moses was going to pray for them because they screwed up again. And the Lord said, don't pray for them. Although they fast, I will not listen to their cry. Though they offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Instead, I will destroy them with the sword, famine, and plague. So it's... it's You're in a very dangerous position just calling on the Lord occasionally when when you think you need help. Okay, verse 14. Let's move on. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. This describes my front yard. (laughs) Really. Really. I, uh, a couple of years ago, went out and took out half my front yard, and I decided I'll just kind of plant ground cover and flowers in there. And um, so I did that, and I was in a hurry. So I, uh, actually for a year or two, I let the grass die and put mulch on it and let it all die and everything. I thought it was all dead, and I cleaned it all off, and I was putting in my flower bed, but the summer didn't even pass by before these weeds started coming up. And I said, ah, what's going on, man? So I went out there, I sweated, I pulled weeds, I hoed, uh, because I, I wanted the plants to spread in and fill in. So I was pulling the weeds in between, all out and everything. Um, 
But no matter how many times I tried, those weeds kept coming back up again. And I, don't, I just don't know where those seeds come from. I mean, there's gazillions of those suckers. But the Lord describes these weeds in spiritually as worries, riches, and pleasures. Poor people are always worried about not having enough money. Rich people are worried about how they're going to spend it and, and where they're going to get more. Uh, and everyone is trying to find pleasure in this dark world, right? Trying to find pleasure. Nobody is immune from that one. You see, what I really needed to do was to put down a weed barrier, right? And I'd done that in other parts of my yard, but because I wanted these plants to spread and move and grow together, I thought, well, if I put down this weed barrier, it would be harder for them to be able to do that. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> but I needed to put down a weed barrier. And you know that there's a spiritual weed barrier? A spiritual weed barrier. Hear me. Uh, the spiritual weed barrier is called walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit. Because you can't pull those weeds. You, can't, you don't have the energy to go out there and pull those weeds day after day and expect them not to grow back. They're going to grow back. And the weeds are always going to be there. But with the Holy Spirit, He shields us from those weeds overcoming us. Amen? The Holy Spirit, He is with us all the time. And this is part of the story that God is, I mean, the Lord is preaching to the people about the kingdom that they didn't realize. And even His own disciples didn't realize up until the end, even when He told them that He was going to send the helper back to be with them and help them. That's the spiritual weed barrier. We can't fight those things on our own flesh, in our own energy. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is critical. And the, you know where the Holy Spirit comes from? Comes from the seed, that DNA in that seed, the Word of God. And it, that's why when I prayed at the beginning, I asked the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Because the Holy Spirit activates and germinates His Word in our lives and helps us wherever we're doing and wherever we go. Okay. I guess that's all I want to say about that. We come finally to the good soil. In verse 14, he says, The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear... But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries. Did I do this one already? Yes. Okay. So much for the weeds. Here we go. The good soil. But the seed, this is verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Here is where uh, he's bringing in, really, the Holy Spirit. Um, because the one with a noble and good heart is one who is turned toward doing things the right way. People who, are, who care about uh, goodness and truth and the good things of life, helping your neighbor, these sorts of things, and... And uh, we are, and you see this in children, and that they have a tendency to want to do what's right. And they have noble and good hearts. And the Lord had a lot to say about children and the condition of their hearts. We don't have time to go into that. That's another whole message. Actually, I've covered about three messages already. Um, but a noble and good heart who hear the word of God retain it in their heart, and by persevering, produce a crop. Persevering is key here. 
This kind of a heart, a good heart, realizes that uh, good looks and appearances don't mean a lot. Uh, riches and, and uh, power don't mean a lot. The outward appearance of things aren't really what, what, what really matters. What really matters is what you can't see in people's hearts. It's not that the Lord doesn't care about those things, but they aren't as important as the heart. And it's also, uh, the soil of this good heart is also one that is in it for the long haul. In it for the long haul. Because farming doesn't happen in a month or two. It takes a whole year, many times to bear fruit, and it takes perseverance, and that's what we need to realize here, too, that part of the DNA there that the Lord gives us in his seed is perseverance, and we need to nurture that in our lives and grow more of that in our hearts, right? Uh, So we're in it for the long haul, or have you given some parts of God's word that you think is just too hard kind of pushed it to the side in your life. Like, uh, what about lying? Is it okay, depending on the situation? And what about sex outside of marriage or living together? It's accepted everywhere nowadays, even in the church. Divorce. Do you really believe that God hates divorce? See, these are compromises to God's word and what the church has been doing has been trying to change the seed. You can't change the seed. The word of God is the word of God. But we can't compromise that seed. Amen? Let me just read a couple passages here for you on perseverance. Therefore, this is in Hebrews 12, 1. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And in Galatians, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever grows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let not Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There's so much that the Lord has for us than just sitting on a Sunday morning and hearing his word, as good as that is. There's a whole lot more, and it requires perseverance and hard work at our marriages, at at putting up with people at work, and the things that are thrown at us, and sicknesses and illnesses. There's just so much there. And these three types of soil, or four types of soil, I guess they are four, uh, give us some insight into how we receive and respond to the seed, the Word of God. Okay. How's everybody doing? Okay? Why don't you stand up? <laughs> I've, been, I've been rapping on here too long. Uh, but there's just a few more verses, and we'll, that ends Jesus' uh, talk on the seeds, the different kinds of soils, and that lesson. Now he goes into a couple of more passages that kind of, I believe, really support and uh, reinforce what he has said. Uh, ah, I see some people sleeping back oh. <laughs> They're just sitting. That's okay. You can sit back down. That's fine. Verses 16 and 17. The Lord says, No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those 
who come in can see the light where there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out in the open. So the Lord changes from agriculture and spiritual truth being related to soil to now he's talking about light. And uh, what he has given the disciples is spiritual insight that will bring light to the world. It's, it's, uh, it's illuminating. It's illuminating. And Jesus is the light. He said, I'm the light of the world. But then he's taken his light and he's putting it on the disciples. They're the lampstands. We are the lampstands that he's putting it on, right? And so I, th I think that's just a beautiful picture. There's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. This has been used by the Lord in other passages about hidden sins in our lives. But here it has a little bit different meaning in that uh, the light, the word of God, can pierce everyone. doesn't matter how hard that soil is. The light of the Lord of Jesus Christ can pierce it. And nothing can be hidden from the truth. The world and the media, especially nowadays, is, is trying to make their own truth, right? But the Lord's truth is piercing truth that will pierce through every lie. Amen? And then in verse 18, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken away from them. So again, this goes back to what you think you understand the scripture. You think you understand it all and got it all dialed in. And, you know, I'm a pastor. I got it all figured out. <laughs> well, be careful how you listen. And that means going back again, like I told you before, to the word and to the Lord Jesus Christ and have his Holy Spirit interpret it for you. So that's what Jesus here is saying. And he's also saying, like when he got up and cried out, he who has ears, let him hear. And if you hear incorrectly, if you interpret incorrectly, if you follow uh, false teaching, you're going to lose, lose it all. It's not going to be there for you uh, in, when it comes down to real life. It's like, it's like being in school and taking tests. Um, you don't get partial credit for a wrong answer. You, you, you get it right or you get it wrong. And people think there's more one, than one way to heaven. It's not through Jesus. Jesus is the only way. He is the light of the world. Amen? And then uh, the last passage here is when Jesus's mother and brothers came to see him but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd someone told him your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you and he replied my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice so he's not he's not dissing his his mom and brothers here um, I'm sure he went and talked to them afterwards but uh, he's just making a point here that his followers are as close to him than his family is, or closer. And I find that in my own life, that some of, uh, some of the people I know in the Lord, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, are much closer to me than my blood relatives. And let me leave you with this. Uh, I believe if you have the Lord Jesus Christ, in your heart, we are blood relatives of Jesus. Blood relatives. Because of his blood covering our sins, we're blood relatives. Amen? Okay. I, I've carried on way too long. Um, but I want to leave you with three, three, three questions as, a, as the worship team comes up. We have those on the slide. The first question is, am I in the kingdom of God? Am I in the kingdom? If you have never received the Lord Jesus Christ and, and his life, his light into your life and given your life over to him, 
you're not in the kingdom. You're one of the people standing on the path, and the seed gets stolen away. So the first thing we need to do is make sure that we're in the kingdom. The second thing is that if I am in the kingdom, what's the condition of the soil in my heart? And we need to evaluate that every day. Every day, I do. And then the third question is, how should I be viewing others in light of all of this? The apostles said that, or not the apostles, Paul said um, that we used to look at Jesus in, a, in one way, but now we look at him in a different way. And when Jesus comes into your heart and you're transformed by him and his word, you look at other people differently. Amen? Jesus can see every heart. And I pray that you would look at people's hearts rather than their exterior looks. Or looking at their hearts instead of what they have. So let's, uh, let's take this into consideration as we move into a time of worship. Can I pray? Father, we've looked at a truckload of truth this morning. A truckload. And Lord, uh, I don't expect everybody to remember every word, but Father, may there be a little truth, something that you want to put in someone's heart meditate on right now and Lord grow that in their heart fill them by your Holy Spirit not on their own power but by your spirit Lord God and we know you are here among us because where two or three are gathered you're here in Jesus name